0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Special welcome to all who are joining us um, long distance to gather here today. Last Wednesday, I received an email with an intriguing subject line. It said, hello, 30 years later, and condolences for the passing of Brother Roy Parker, It was from Eric Seddon, and it had indeed been 30 years since we had last been in contact. Eric's mother was the guest house director here at Holy Cross Monastery in those years, and, well, let me let Eric tell the tale as he posted it in his blog, The Jazz Clarinet. And I quote, I learned just yesterday via the New York Times obituary that one of the greatest of all clarinetists, William O. Smith, better known to jazz audiences as Bill Smith, passed away last February 29th. He was 93 years old and lived a life wherein he contributed not only some of the finest jazz of the past century, but expanded our understanding of the clarinet continuously for decades. I can't help but share one little story of how I first heard Smith's music. I was a teenager in the 1980s, immersed in clarinet playing and specifically jazz, when I happened to meet a monk from Holy Cross Monastery in West Park, New York. My brother and I used to spend time volunteering there. We'd clean the guest house before retreats. One of the monks was named Brother Roy Parker. And though a soft-spoken man, known for his masterful calligraphy he drew, he was, in fact, a huge fan of jazz. And while working in his shop, would often listen to Benny Goodman, Dave Brubeck, and the like. He soon learned of my love of Goodman, Shaw, and others, and we talked talk jazz regularly. One Sunday afternoon, when I was there to clean, Brother Roy announced that he was switching over his whole collection of cassette tapes to the newly introduced CD format, and he gave me first pick of anything in his shop that I wanted. I don't remember all the tapes I took home that day, but I remember the most important, near myth, Brubeck Smith. I had never heard of Bill Smith before, but that album opened new vistas for me as a clarinetist. For me personally, his art remains the most fascinating and satisfying of modern jazz clarinet. The day Bill Smith died, I'd actually been messaging a friend about his music, how much it continued to inspire me. And when I learned just yesterday of Smith's death, I tried to find contact information for my old friend, Brother Roy Parker, who I hadn't spoken to in over 30 years. I wanted to let him know about Smith's passing if he hadn't already heard, and to thank him for introducing this music to me. But it turns out, Brother Roy passed away just nine days before Bill Smith. Brother Roy was a great artist in his own right, and he appreciated all the technical nuances jazz musicians navigated. He would ask me all about those things with great interest. He was a great listener, and learn from what he heard. I hope and pray that he and William O. are swapping notes in heaven right now. And Eric concludes, the greatest music is so powerful that it impresses itself right onto one's life story. Brother Roy's kindness and Bill Smith's celebratory brilliance will forever be connected in my mind. Great music, great art, great people do impress themselves onto one's life story. And today we remember and give thanks for Brother Roy, who impressed himself so indelibly onto Eric's life story and onto our life story. And that venture to say on the life stories of countless others. He was, as his memorial card says, priest, monk, artist. All of which came together in a remarkable synergy, characterized by gentleness, humility, kindness, creativity, passion, discipline, and devotion. There are so many ways to speak of a life. Many ports of entry, if you will. I want this morning to remember Roy through his art, which is to say through his calligraphy. Though his artistry came out in so many ways, who can forget the many years he devoted himself to baking bread, wonderful whole wheat bread and sourdough bread. Yes, sometimes it came out a little heavy, (laughs) but it was always nourishing and delicious and was made with patient, loving care. Roy delighted in feeding others, whether through his bread or through his presiding at the Holy Eucharist, which he did with Zen-like grace and recollection, or through his preaching which was always carefully researched and prepared. I would see him in the library for hours on end, studying biblical texts, often in the original Hebrew or Greek, and consulting countless commentaries. And then, as like as not, have him appear with an outrageous prop to illustrate his point. I remember once when during his sermon, he pulled out two pieces of bread surrounding bacon, lettuce, tomato, and mayonnaise. An apt and yummy illustration of the Markan sandwich that he was expounding. And for those of you not in the know, a Markan sandwich is a stylistic device used in the Gospel of Saint Mark and characterized by the insertion of one narrative episode between two parts of another. Got it? Roy fed in many other ways as well, especially when he served as an AIDS chaplain at Manhattan Plaza, a residence for artists in New York City at the height of the AIDS crisis. I think it was precisely Roy's reticence and inner stillness that made him effective in this ministry. And, of course, having himself the soul of an artist. Cor ad cor loquitur, says the psalm, heart speaks to heart. That speaking went well beyond words. It went straight from Roy's heart to that of the other. So in the spirit of Roy, I produce my own props, works of calligraphy that Roy executed over the years. There were many, including many private commissions. There were greeting cards and posters. There were names on our doors and texts both sacred and profane. And these are a few which, at least to me, capture Roy and his way of being a man of God and a man for others. The first is the quotation from Irenaeus of Lyon. The glory of God is the human person fully alive. Roy, like all of us, struggled to be fully alive, but his struggle was not his own it was, I think, also for the glory of God. From his early days at MIT and its jazz band, Roy was a drummer, to his years in the Society of St. John the Evangelist and then in the Order of the Holy Cross, Roy struggled to grow and become ever more alive. And as is true of all of us, This was a journey of fits and starts, of peaks and valleys. But Roy did become more alive and transparent as the years went on, more his own man, and therefore more available to others, more fully alive. It is no wonder that this simple, and I might add, best-selling piece of art, went through several iterations over the years as did Roy. What is true of art is so often true of us also as well. The second prop, the second work, is simply a recipe. It's Roy's recipe for whole grain bread, beautifully penned and illustrated. It begins with the words, In your favorite bread mixing bowl, whisk honey into 1 half cup lukewarm water and add yeast. In your favorite bread mixing bowl, which presumes we have one. (laughs) And maybe we do, all of us. It is that container that holds the ingredients of a rising and nourishing life. Third, there is the Buddhist gatha, which is here at the base of Roy's remains. Let me respectfully remind you, life and death are of supreme importance. Time swiftly passes and opportunity is lost. Each of us should strive to awaken, 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 take heed, do not squander your life. I feel a certain personal connection with this piece as I first saw the text through the Mayatry Hospice in San Francisco in 1991, and some years later shared it with Roy and the Mount Calvary community. It speaks so honestly and directly to our mortal human condition, of which we are now perhaps more aware than ever before, and gives us our marching orders and our deepest aspiration. Do not squander your life. Roy did not, and with God's help, neither shall we. Finally, There is this piece of calligraphy that I found in Roy's studio, and I don't believe I had ever seen it before. It says someone enigmatically, and I quote, When life sucks and hands you lemons, I say beat the crap out of it and demand some California oranges as well. Well, as we know, life handed Roy Lemons in the last year of his life. When disease took away first his ability to sing, then to speak clearly, then to speak at all, then to swallow. But through it all, Roy beat the crap out of it and demanded California oranges. He demanded and succeeded in retaining his dignity and self-direction, even as he became more and more dependent on others. And he did so with unfailing courtesy and patience. This nobility marked even his passing. For on the afternoon of his last day, he wrote on his notepad to Brother Bernard and me, I want to lie down and die. And so he did within hours. Lemons, yes, but California oranges as well, as befits someone descended of Yankee stock, but born in sunny Southern California. When we planned Roy's funeral for today, we did so because we thought our guest house would be open and going full tilt throughout Lent. Tuesday, March 31st looked to be a quiet day and all the brothers planned to be home. We had not really realized, however, that in the Episcopal Church calendar, today is also the commemoration of another great artist, the 17th century poet, John Donne. Donne was like Roy, a priest. He was also a notable preacher to British royalty, perhaps the greatest English preacher of his day. But he is most remembered for his poems and none more famous than his No Man is an Island. Let me read it. No man is an island, entire of itself. Each is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a cloud be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thine own or of thy friends were. Each man's death diminishes me, for I am involved in mankind. Therefore, send not to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. The bell does toll for Roy today, and for all of us. But through and beyond that mournful tolling, there is also a hope and a promise lying within Dunn's other emblematic poem, Death Be Not Proud. As he puts it, one short sleep past we wake eternally, and death shall be no more death, thou shalt die. John Donne, the Christian priest and poet, knew, just as our brother Roy knew, and I trust as we too know, that in Christ Jesus, death is overcome. And so today we proclaim with the church throughout the ages that Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death and on those in the tomb bestowing life. O death, be not proud. O death, thou too shalt die. And you, dear Roy, dear brother Roy, may you go from strength to strength in the life of perfect service in the heavenly kingdom, prepared for us all from the foundation of the world, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.